Welcome into the show. It's views from the sideline. We have an audio clip we're gonna play, but then it it just went away from me, and I have to get it right back up as soon as we started recording. It was perfect timing. Very very solid start to the show so far. Classic Chris move. It is a classic Chris move. You know what? What's views from the sideline without a Chris issue? First technical flub of 2019. As soon as I started the intro music, it just shot away. So, yeah, as I work on that. So, how are you guys doing today? <laughs> doing pretty I, I good. I need you guys to kind of carry this for a quick oh second. Oh, my gosh. I mean, he has definitely made a name for himself to be the best. And I don't know. That guy is incredible. We talk about... Nobody talked about the Patriots, and we said it before. Nobody's been talking about them, and then all of a sudden, they just uh, go out there and just put on a show. And luckily, we were delighted with two overtime games for this playoff. I, that was was that the best week like Sunday of football we've had in how long? A Tom Brady two minute drill is the nightmare of every team. Besides <laughs> fan, a couple of, I, I think besides that, a couple that might of missed be the calls, worst nightmare of any football fan. Don't you? Giving Tom Brady All right. more than a minute. All right, we have the audio queued up. Sorry about that, guys. But <laughs> we'll take a quick second. Just listen to this, and then we'll get you Here's the right recap of the it. last game. Exactly. Nobody's talking about the Patriots, and that's scary. That's his, this is the worst team yeah, the, Patriots the Patriots have Patriots are, are bad right now. Our conference championship Sunday, New England Patriots versus the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC. Is it in New England or in Kansas City? In Kansas City. Yeah. What you guys got? Patrick Mahomes is the difference in this game. Still doubting the Patriots, are we? <laughs> I thought I'm we learned our lesson last week. I'm not doubting the Patriots. And they got him back inside the 10. Kyle Van Noy with a sack for a big log. Bill Belichick has never had a bad defense and turned them into a great defense in the playoffs. That's never happened. Not have a sack against Mahomes in the first matchup this year. They get one here in the first quarter for a loss of 14. I'm not saying that he, to be a great he, defense. He usually, All they have to be is a good defense. He usually has a good to really good defense, and they pick it up in the playoffs. This is a bad This is defense. a bad defense, but if they can pick it up to be an average to a slightly above average If they pick it up to average, team, the Chargers can still beat them by two touchdowns. Third and one. they got to pick up the yard. And the Patriots were on him, and they're going to keep him short. Kansas City's offense, there's no reason why they shouldn't rip apart the the, uh, yeah. the Patriots defense. Okay. Nine. The pressure. Again, they're going after him to take him out of field goal range. All the way back at the 37, Trey Flower. Holmes, he has the ball stripped by Van Noy, and he's able to recover it back at the 25. Honestly, there's no reason why the Patriots, like, pull off a shocking blowout or anything. Right. They don't have a good defense. Sounds I've never seen, in my life, I haven't seen a Patriots team look like this. Brady has been somewhat on board with his receivers. Throws wide open, gentlemen. Trying to get pressure on Brady, and they get near him, and somehow it is completed. This is this has been the one year he hasn't made receivers look great. His receivers have looked below average all season. All they but they've do, still been winning. All they got to do is look great for the next two games. That's it. All kinds of time for Brady to go for it. To the end zone, and it's caught for the touchdown. Philip Dorsett. The Patriots could throw us out there at wide receiver and we'd look good. <laughs> picking the Chiefs. I know you're picking the Chiefs. You're making a mistake 
by not trusting in Bill Belichick and Tom Brady this time of year. That's all I'm going to say. Saying it's, you can't see it happening. The best cure for the New England Patriots is just get to the playoffs and start playing those games because they've proved year in and year out they are just a perennial playoff team you don't want to mess with. I mean, just and they turn it on. Finality brings focus for this team, and they know it's that time of year. Let me just say this. What no, play, no, no, what play for the Patriots answer, is going to, to play the greatest game in their entire life? You're not going to play the greatest the game in this entire life? Because that's, that's you know what, what? they're going to have to do. You know what, Malik? This game. Malik, they have the GOAT, Tom Brady. They do. They have one of the best coaches of all yeah. time in Bill Belichick. Which always gives they them a have chance. a repertoire you can fall back on and look at. Either way, if the Patriots are going to Atlanta, number twelve is going to have to do something really special in a really, really difficult environment. I'm terrified. I'm so afraid. Just, just, just say what's in your heart. Kansas City <laughs> should win this game. All right, Malik says they Kansas should win City. this game. I want you to, I, I want you to tell me which receiver, which receiver is going to have. What's, what's Julian Edelman doing in this Malik, game? Is Malik. he playing like 2014? Gronk hasn't looked like himself in a year. Just one Gr- game, though. They only got to win one game. Gronk literally has to turn into 2014 Gronk for them to win a shootout. And they come after Brady. Goes down the field. The Gronk turns around, makes the catch. It's Gronk for the first down. How much is Julian Edelman going to do in this game? Chip with him, chip with him, and throw to Edelman over the middle of the field. Pass down the middle. Caught. Edelman holds on. Running back's got to help, so he has time to throw. Once again, Edelman in the middle of the field. Pocket sealed. Down the middle. Edelman again with a third down catch. To the end zone. Hello, Super Bowl. New England is heading back again for the third straight year. I am not doubting the Patriots. I'm looking forward to next week when the Pats win by double digits against the Chiefs and Malik's got to eat his words. So you're just going Patriots blowout every game, including hey, the Super Bowl? I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout. I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout. <laughs> wow. The Joe, most, first off, uh, first off. The, the most incorrect hold, thing said hold, in that whole hold clip on. is the Patriots are going to blow out the Chiefs. Hold, hold on, hold on. We have to give a round of applause to Joey. Putting that together. Thank you, Joey. Not Bruce. Not Bruce. Great work, Bob. I mean, fantastic work. He made me look really smart uh, for like that was that was that's tough. Yeah, that was the problem though. I didn't realize I didn't realize I was gonna boost Chris's ego in that that clip. (laughs) Yeah, we we should have thought about this before the show started. And round of applause for Malik uh, allowing us to use that clip. Some of those clips were out of context, just so everybody knows. But I thought it was pretty funny and it matched up pretty well. But now. All good fun. From now on, if anybody messes up, they might get clipped. I might clip myself. It's a precedent. Well, you have to. You have to. Yeah. But anyways. But I don't make any wrong choices. <laughs> never. Never have. <laughs> uh, Championship Sunday. We talked about this right before this clip started. Best Sunday football ever? No. It's one of the best I've seen by far. I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, two overtime games, all the controversy, all the – it's everything you'd want in and there two was football co- games for, the, for teams to go to a Super Bowl. And it was controversial calls in both of the games. And a lot of people, a lot of star athletes, a lot of celebrities calling out uh, the officials on social media, and it was crazy. 
I think this this is this is a worse loss than last year's Chiefs loss, specifically for Chiefs fans. That's because tough, yeah. this this team this team is is a lot better than last year's team because of Patrick Mahomes. It it's even worse because how explosive they are bit them and ruined them in the end because they gave Tom Brady two minutes because of how explosive their offense was. They scored quick and gave Tom Brady two minutes, and then they didn't get the coin toss in overtime, which I believe the Kansas City Chiefs would have scored a touchdown if they got that coin toss in overtime, but just bad luck of the draw. It's heartbreaking. So, Joe, why do you think this wasn't one of the best weekends ever for football? Just come some of the <clears throat> the controversial call in Saints-Rams. Well, it's not even a controversy. It was just a missed call. Uh, that's always a big With the official thing. staring right at it, too. Yeah, and then... Even for the officials to tell Sean Payton that they missed it is pretty heartbreaking. So for me, like not getting something right and getting not necessarily the wrong team in there because obviously the Rams still played really well and they had to win in overtime in the end. But it just kind of a demoralizing way to end the game, I guess. Um, Kansas City and New England, that was an exciting game as well. Um, Kansas City definitely had their opportunities. Um, they had a man in the neutral zone towards the end of the game on a Tom Brady interception, which would have ended the game. So there's some mistakes that Kansas City made on themselves, but I think that game was actually really exciting. How bad does NFL officiating look this week? Oh, it's it's some of the worst. That's one of the worst. Is it a black calls. guy for the league? Yeah, uh, to me it is. It's one of the worst missed calls in NFL history. Yeah, but, now they're debating whether or not to be able to review interference calls. Exactly. But I, I still or non-interference calls because there was no call on the there was no call on the field. Right, but I'm, I'm thinking like if somebody felt like they could review it and they like somebody could challenge it or something. So I'm so I'm saying though is like there's no flag on the field, but they want them to look at it. They want yeah. to look. Okay, okay. Yeah. Like if 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 they feel like they need to look at it, I don't know how they'll okay. shape the rule, but that's what they're looking gotcha. into. There are also people trying to get the game replayed, which is wild, and in the rules, everybody, you know, which is insane. It's actually. I in feel the like rules we hear that this. it could happen. Wait, wait, really? It's there's, it, it's in the rules. Yesterday, Michael Thomas tweeted. He he tweeted a specific rule in the I NFL that, rule book, but I didn't. And then the comment under put the page that has the rule, and the commissioner of the NFL can, like, have a like. He can have the game replayed, really. If something like ridiculous happens, it's it can't happen. But I, I'm sure I mean, it's, it's, not it's something happen. that won't ever be used. Like yeah, used. That's crazy. I actually I had no idea about that. Yeah, but I'm not on the train of everybody saying that ruined that cost the the Saints the game. Well, of course, they, it's never it's never yeah. the last thing that happens. Exactly. That's just what we talk about the next day. But they they got up thirteen nothing, and then went flat from then on almost. They they should have been able to finish the Rams from that point on. Even though the Rams, obviously, they're one of the best teams in the league. They're going to the Super Bowl. But you get up 13-0 on a team, you have all that momentum, and then you just bottom out. Questionable play calls from Sean Payton. The Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill plays where it kind of looked like he was just trying to flex his offensive genius and show that he can score any way on anybody. It was kind of weird. They signed Des Bryant and Brandon Marshall earlier in the season for a reason. Michael Thomas is their go-to guy. After Michael Thomas, it's question marks. So you could see why they went flat because they don't have several offensive options, but 
for you to go up 13 nothing, that obviously shows you had momentum and you had something rolling. So let's continue. Let's, fell apart. let's just break down the NFC Championship game, and then we'll go into the AFC. Um, so kind of piggybacking on what Malik just said, Joe. What did you see from the Saints losing to the Rams on Sunday? Yeah, it, it was kind of exactly what Malik said, and they just kind of fell flat. Um, and they kind of let the Rams back into it. I thought the Saints had all the momentum with the start of the game. And you would think with uh, – the Saints having Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram that they would have run all over the Rams, exactly. even though the Rams have a super good defense. But I just felt like I didn't see those two guys a whole lot in the Saints game, which is weird because that's you know who they use all the time. And yeah, Michael Thomas has a heavy workload, and that's hard. But at the same time, like Drew Brees has done good with little talent at wide receiver he's similar to Tom Brady where you give him some guys maybe give him one primary guy and he can make it work and I know the Saints had a little bit of injuries at tight end Ben Watson was ailing but I don't know it's it was kind of disappointing just to see them fall flat in the second half and then even in overtime but I mean the Rams made it to the Super Bowl and you got to credit to them for taking advantage that that Greg Zerline field goal in overtime is one of the most impressive field goals I think I've he seen. He could hit it from life. 70. That was an absolute rocket. It was a bomb. Once he hit it, it was right down the middle. And the Hecker, the what is what's the position? The one that catches it for the field goal. Like you snap it to the guy and he sets it up for the field goal kicker to kick it. The backup quarterback. <laughs> Basically, but I'm pretty sure he's the punter. He fumbled it a little bit, so it could have been messed up. Zerline, it was an absolute Bomb. You know, that's why. Yeah, it could have went 70. You know his nickname, right? You don't know his nickname? The Leg of Zeus. <laughs> that's a great nickname. I know. It, it <laughs> that, that's instantly well. one of the best nicknames in the NFL. Yeah. Um, now, I don't want to kind of like beat this topic to death, but I feel like we wouldn't be doing it justice without breaking it down even more because of just how newsworthy it is. Was that, that pass interference missed call, was that one of the worst missed calls over the past? decade in the NFL it's the worst I think that it's easily the worst I think this is the worst missed call last 20 years a lot of people were saying since the tuck rule yeah and this is worse than the tuck rule you think this is worse he hit him and it's almost he almost targeted him yeah there's a lot of different aspects of that play that people were talking about like you could have called maybe three different things the ball wasn't near the receiver yet knocked him out is it's obvious that that's one of the weirdest missed calls that almost leads to conspiracy theories. Of that how, one right how there. How do you miss yeah. a call like that? Yeah, that's it's that's almost impossible to miss. Those the referees that missed that on that side of the field, their job should be on the and line. And especially, of course, what also leads to conspiracy theories is it's the Los Angeles Rams that benefit of it. L.A. Of course, they would want that market in the Super Bowl. More, more marketable team, more money. They also said that it's karma for Bounty Gate. Yeah, a lot of people were saying yeah. that. That's a good I've one, I've heard too. people say that. Um, did the Rams win this game, or did the officials give it to them? The Rams won it. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the, they won but it. If that, the if the that, way they played in that second. that call's not made, though, Saints win. Right, but it ended up being that, you know, the Saints got another chance, and they got to go to overtime. So the Rams ultimately won it, but, I mean, New Orleans was kind of – they lost it. Like, I don't know. It's hard to explain because the refs definitely gave it away. 
But at the same time, the Rams did win it because it went into overtime. The Saints got another chance. For sure. Um, moving on, AFC Championship game, the most exciting in my opinion. Patriots beating up in Kansas City 37-31. We're not beating up. 37-31 in overtime. My The first question on my show sheet right now, how about them Pats, Malik? The doubt. I, I just want to hear what you thought of this game. Well, I, I didn't see a lot of the first quarter. Uh, when I first started watching, was it 14 nothing Patriots? I'm pretty I sure. I think so. Yeah, to start the game. Yeah. The, I, I didn't know what had happened, but I was surprised with the start. And the Patriots offensive line, they deserve unbelievable unbelievable amounts of credit. Tom Incredible. Brady hasn't been sacked in the playoffs so far. Here's some, that is insane, which gives his receivers more opportunity to find open spots. Something that people don't realize, a great quarterback takes care of his offensive line. Tom Brady sends these guys on vacations, gives them gifts left and right, is appreciative every single game. I think that goes a long way, and I don't. I think a lot of people overlook that. Why is an offensive line going to block for somebody they don't like or they don't care for? Yes, it's their job, but there's not as much passion to it, you know? Sorry to cut you off. I just wanted to get yeah, that if, if you give any quarterback that much time in the pocket, they're going to find the open receiver. But if you give Tom Brady open time in the pocket to just – he's going to put it in a spot where the receiver can catch it and most likely will. Julian Edelman gets tons of credit for making a whole bunch of tough catches. He almost messed up the game with that, where he dropped the ball in the fourth quarter and it was a pick. He he almost messed it up. But a lot of big catches from him. Gronkowski, didn't he? He only had three or four catches, didn't he? He didn't have a lot of catches. But yeah, the ones he had. They were all down the stretch. Yeah, it, the red zone catches, throwing it up, using that big body. Gronk still had some left to get them where they needed to go. James White has just been, he's a glue piece for that offense. He's not the superstar. He's not going to break a game wide open. But if you look at the stat sheet, he gives you, what, 11 catches, what, like 85 yards, maybe two rushing touchdowns. His impact on the game, it can't be understated. He's he's almost become the go-to guy for Tom Brady, and he his level of play never goes down. He's dependable, great hands, tough runner. He gets it done always. And Belichick out coaches Andy Reid once again. Poor Andy Reid. <laughs> yeah, once again. Belichick owns that matchup. Yeah. Joe, I can't remember. Last week, did you pick the Patriots or did you pick the Chiefs? No, I picked the Chiefs because I didn't want to see the Patriots in the Super Bowl again. And I would rather have Kansas City. What was your take from this one? Um, it was pretty pretty exciting. I definitely knew like when you give the Patriots two minutes, it wasn't looking good because the Chiefs didn't really have any answers on defense for the Patriots. We thought it was going to be the other way around, that the Patriots wouldn't have any answers for Kansas City. And turned it to that in the second half. They, yeah. Neither team could really. Right. There was no stops being made, so it ended up being whoever had the ball last. And the Patriots um, benefited from that. And, you know, whenever they had a third down play, a big play that they needed, they went to either Julian Edelman or if Gronk was one-on-one, they they. Tom Brady just lobbed it up to Gronk, and he got it almost every time. You had a guy like Eric Berry guarding him, and there's just nothing you can do, and that's really tough. But, you know, I think New England just played it really well, and like you said, they protected Tom Brady, which is incredible to me because— He's been getting hit a lot this season. The other way around, like Patrick Mahomes had to run all over the place to get any throws off, and then— He made some incredible throws on the run, too. Right, but then Tom Brady's just sitting back there in the pocket for 
every time. There's no pressure. And that just makes it easy on him because, you know, eventually the defense is going to break down and you're going to find somebody open. So tips to uh, New England, but Kansas City definitely had their chances and they kind of squashed it. Now, heading into our playoff preview, when we were starting to make our picks, we were making our Super Bowl picks for uh, these playoffs. My thing when I picked the Patriots to make it to the Super Bowl was I thought their defense could be good enough. Malik felt otherwise. Has it been good enough, or has it been mostly the offense, Malik? It's that first game against the Chargers. That defense was fantastic, but I also think it's mainly element of Belichick and Anthony Lynn. It's, it's such a difference in experience and knowledge, and Belichick's a top three coach in NFL history. So I, sh- I should have realized that he would have the complete upper hand in that game, defensive schematics and all. I'm surprised that they've been able to keep it up. Even that first half, they played really good against Patrick Mahomes and them. They had to shake off the rust to get going in that second half. The Chiefs did. So they. I'm surprised about how they've been able to hold, to hold up in the playoffs. If Brady wins the Super Bowl in a couple weeks, does he go out on top? I think he should. I think he should. Do you retire. think he does, though? He's a pretty smart guy. He he said he wants to play until he's 45, which I'm sure he will try to. But from a storyline standpoint, you make your name winning your first Super Bowl against the Rams. You retire winning the Super Bowl. Come on. That's movie movie stuff. But the problem is, too, like, you know, give him a couple more years. He could definitely win another one. He could. (laughs) Like, there's no signs of him stopping. But it would be nice to know, like, guaranteed you can go out on top. Another question I want to pose that I've heard a couple of people talk about. If the Patriots win the Super Bowl, is Tom Brady the greatest athlete of all time? Mm, it, it matters how you define athlete. Right. If you're yeah. going based off true athleticism <laughs> athlete, there's no way. But just as like a professional athlete and the maybe passion, by the, winning yeah. and passion and the storyline maybe. You can, make a, you can make a really solid argument for it. Yeah. That's as far as I want to go with that until – we see if he actually wins it. He gets bumped up even higher because of his athletic shortcomings. Right. I would think so, too. Because he's not that great of an athlete, yeah. but he's this great of an athlete. <laughs> you, he described that perfectly. Exactly. He's that great of an athlete when he's not that great of an athlete. Yeah. Uh, let's move into a short preview of the Super Bowl. We'll, we'll get way more into it and dissect way more storylines next week when it's a real. it's really Super Bowl week. But the matchup is, like we've said, the L.A. Rams versus the New England Patriots. The one matchup Joey did not want to see, yep. so he got it. Um, it's in Atlanta. I'm just going to hit you guys with it. Who you got in the Super Bowl? The Rams. I still this, don't want the Patriots I, I need, to win. You Wait, you want them to win? No, I don't. Oh. So I'm going to pick the Rams, and I, I, I think that the Rams have a chance. As we saw, Kansas City could not get pressure on Tom Brady. The Rams have a just as good of a front line as Kansas City does. Kansas City was one of the better sacking teams um, in the league, but the Rams also have Aaron Donald and the guy did not Sue. Not even Sue. He's I can't played speak the best today. football of his career the past few games. Yeah, and the Rams just have a really good defense, and I think they're more well rounded on defense. And then one of the things that New England had trouble with was the running back. Kansas City let their running back run all over, and the Rams have Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson. 
which are two really good backs. Todd Gurley, Pro Bowl, super talented. Um, I would just like to see the Rams win. And I don't know why. Just Probably just because it's against the Patriots, but... Malik, can you just pick the Rams for me? Make me sound smart. The storyline of this game has become a lot more interesting to me over the past few days as I've been thinking. You have the young, up-and-coming genius coach that looks like he's nipping his heels, nipping on the heels of every other coach in the league. He's he's about to take over. And you have the top three coach of all time who's been here, won the Super Bowls, knows exactly what he's doing. I'm going with the Patriots. Because I feel like there's gonna there are gonna be a few moments in this game. If it's close, Bilichek, I feel like he's gonna outsmart Sean McVay a few times. Sean McVay could also slightly get into what Sean Payton tried to do against the Rams, or he might try to flex his offensive genius, show off a little bit, try to throw the Patriots off, and Bilichek will be ready for whatever's coming. So, and I, it's Brady. Malik, I'm glad Edelman has get... picked it up in the playoffs. That that offensive line, Sue and Donald, are going to get to Brady a few times, and if they get a few good hits on Brady, that could change everything. But I I like how the Patriots have they've gotten better each game, and I'm I'm going to pick the Patriots. I'm glad. Welcome to our side. <laughs> um, I'm not a Patriots fan, but they make me sound smart. So yeah, I'm locking in the Patriots. Why? Get off the train. I don't understand. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we'll dive into this way more next week. Early, early preview to the Super Bowl. Now let's kind of transition into some news in the NFL surrounding your Detroit Lions. They made a hire this week. They hired Daryl Bevel as the offensive coordinator. First reaction to the hire, guys. Blech. Joey, go. you can go with your first reaction because <laughs> – you told us how you felt instantly, and it, it was a pretty funny comment. Well, I mean. Although you, know, you can't base him off of one play. Right. But he's, he's that a play. Former, if anybody doesn't know, he's former Seattle Seahawks offensive coordinator. Um, so he was in the Super Bowl with the Seahawks. And being the offensive coordinator and the Seahawks being at the one-yard line with Marshawn Lynch, and they decided to pass it, he is a part of that offense. So that's what concerns me. He didn't run Marshawn Lynch at the one-yard line. The Lions don't have Marshawn Lynch, so we don't have to worry about that all that much. But it is a little bit odd. Granted, I'm all for having a new offensive coordinator. See if we can get something new, get something cooking. Because obviously, I mean, he got that team to the Super Bowl. That offense was pretty good. Granted, their defense is good too. But I think in that Super Bowl appearance, uh, the Seahawks' offense was a little bit better. But... See, the thing that's odd to me is why wait, what was it, It's two weeks to hire an offensive coordinator when you hire a guy that's been on the market for over a year and hasn't been tied to many jobs, if at all. I think he may have inter- interviewed for one job over the past year, year and a half. It seems like a reach to me. His offense is usually run-based which is ironic that he passed on that one play. But um, in today's NFL, I'm not sure that's going to work. This is another reason to me why the Detroit Lions are the Detroit Lions. They make hires like this that are not going to benefit the team whatsoever. And I hope I sound stupid and I hope I sound dumb next year when and if they somehow win 10, 11 games, make it to the playoffs and have a crazy run. 
but I know that's not going to happen. So, um, yeah, this was a head scratcher to me. Didn't like the move. Didn't like how it was done. Two weeks to hire a guy like this when there are other people on the market. And they didn't even I'm – I'm getting myself worked up. I'm getting myself worked up. I'm going to calm down. But it just was a head-scratching situation that only the Lions could pull off. So, yeah, that's your Detroit Lions update. Fun stuff. Malik, you got an opinion? I think it's an okay hire right now. I'm not going to go with I like it a lot. I'm not going to go with it sucks. It's an okay hire right now. I, what he did with Russell Wilson is very impressive to me. He started out, he ran a lot of read option his rookie year. He broke the rookie passing record for touchdowns also. Years go along, you get rid of the read option, you become more of a pocket passer. Russell Wilson progresses. Also, Jermaine Curse, consistent receiver. Doug Baldwin becomes a Pro Bowl receiver. That offense develops chemistry, and it's all under Daryl Bevel. He all, I mean, he helped make that offense what it was, and it progressed over the years because of the decisions he helped to make. Can I ask you a question then? Um, why, since he made these players into what they are today, why did he not get much attention, if any attention at all, on the coaching market? This offseason. Well, there's always inside stuff that we won't know. I'm just asking the the questions. Yeah, There's always insider stuff between organizations. Is it insider stuff or is it the dude is just not a good offensive coordinator for today's NFL? What if we go and draft Kyler Murray? (laughs) I would like to hire a little bit better. Similar to Russell Wilson. But I would like to hire a little bit better because he would have a young quarterback He's not going to change Matthew Stafford. Nobody's going to change Matthew Stafford. No one's <laughs> changing Matthew Stafford. And He's in, not going to make that, that change. In that case, it could be a bad hire. It could be because I, no, we know Matthew Stafford's not going to change. And I feel team. like the most, the biggest thing on his resume with uh, helping players improve was Russell Wilson, how he made him improve as a player. But Stafford's not doing that under Daryl Bevel, you know? I don't know. Bad hire. Bad hire. I'll say it now. Let's move on before it gets real dark in here real quick. Uh, oh, wait. It is more depressing news. Michigan spoiled their opportunity to be the number one in the rankings. I like this. You like this? They lose at Wisconsin. I love it, actually. Hold on. They lose at Wisconsin 64-54. to Was this good for Michigan in the long run, Malik? I love it. I absolutely love it. Break in the it last down. four or five minutes, John Beeline sat back, and crossed his arms, and just put his foot up. And just watched everything happen. Teams that go undefeated get egos. They believe in the pregame, when the game was first coming on, they showed Xavier Simpson, Iggy Brasdikis talking to the camera, coming through the tunnels, where Michigan, Iggy's showing off, flexing. Those last four or five minutes, shut up. Let them mess up. Let them figure it out. Make all the mistakes. Humble the team. You stick within the system. Iggy, you made all those freshman mistakes. Get back to practice. Clean it up. We watch film. Everybody gets it. I'm happy this happened. I'm 100% on board with you, Malik. Everything you said there, I totally agree with you. Joe, what's your take? I'm pretty disappointed just because I wanted to see them go farther. I didn't think that. I mean, it's not like they're not going farther. but Right, but the way that Wisconsin You wanted them to go undefeated longer? Yeah, yeah. I wanted them to have a more hype matchup, I guess, with Michigan State. Plus, I mean, how- Beeline is like 2-14 and 14 in Madison, so Wisconsin right. has never been a good place for them. Yeah, But it's funny that Malik brings up Iggy and Xavier Simpson, 
who I thought were the two worst players in that game. Iggy, Zapier, obviously. Xavier played, had a solid game. Not in the last five minutes. Oh, yeah. No, nobody showed minutes. up in the last five minutes. Nobody <laughs> <But> did. <laughs> Iggy having zero points. Xavier Simpson looked like last year's Xavier Simpson in the final five minutes, making dumb decision after dumb decision and missing layups and little things like that. I know it's not all his fault. It's kind of a, a whole mental team breakdown. but Because he's the leader, he probably felt like he needed to take over. But, but he's not yeah. that guy. And when is he going to realize that he's... He tried to do that last year and it didn't work. And that's why I liked him this year is because he realized, I thought, that he's not the guy. <clears throat> well, he, but there's other he guys is the guy in terms of being team. the leader. And he he showed in that North, if he gets hot, he can have a really big offensive game. But when the team is down, I'm not mad that as the leader, you want to take over and try to do what you have to do. That, that doesn't upset me at all. At all. I think as the leader, he's got to know what his role is and to get his guy and to rally his guys. He's more of oh, yeah, that, definitely. that point guard. He's not like the finishing point guard. He's he's the guy that's supposed to keep everybody in line and get everybody together. But I don't know. I mean, I, again, I can't fault him. The whole team just fell apart and it was awful to watch. Just I, I get where you like that. It's, it's humbling for a team like this, but at the same time, it was a disappointing game. Definitely. Yeah. As you, wind down in the season to have this kind of game is not concerning, but I don't know. I just wish it would have been cleaner. If they were going to lose, I wish it would have been a cleaner loss. Like, this was just kind of ugly towards the end. Do you guys see them losing again? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, yeah, probably, at this point, yes. They're probably going to... Well, I didn't say this earlier. I sent this to you, too, after the game ended. 2013, they made it to the national championship. They went 4-5 and five in the Big Ten. Last year they made it to the national championship. They went five and four in the Big Ten. The Big Ten is a rough and rugged stretch that can eat you up if you're not good enough. If you can come out being improved and being tough and strong out of the Big Ten schedule, I'm fine. If they end up with four losses, I, I wouldn't be mad. I really wouldn't. There's some good teams in that conference. So new rankings come out. Michigan's they spoiled their opportunity. They would have been number one, more than likely. Um, they dropped to number five. Is that too low for just one loss at no. Wisconsin, which I, is a tough place to play? I think that's fine because Duke had that big win against Virginia. Virginia was still that in was that, that was honestly I was surprised by that win. I thought Virginia was going to win that game. Virginia was in the game the entire time, so I think they still deserve a three or four ranking. I think it's a fine place. Placement, especially how they how Michigan lost and how bad they looked in those last four or five minutes. You're cool with it, Joe. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not too particular on that stuff. Gonzaga maybe, but they always get the benefit of the doubt. And then uh, MSU stays at number six. Um, are they closing the gap on Michigan with Michigan kind of sinking a little bit? I think so. With the with the Maryland win last night, <coughs> and they looked good in that game with Nick Ward not doing anything. Uh, I think Michigan stays right there. Um, if Michigan falters a little bit and Michigan State keeps winning. Even if Michigan keeps winning, uh, Michigan State has bigger games going on, so they could potentially leapfrog Michigan, I think, a little bit. Well, they're they're basically going to play the same teams. Right, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, Michigan State has a tougher stretch of teams at the, at this point. Oh, okay. Like, going up. I'm, I'm mostly saying, like, leading up to their matchup against it, each other. It'll really come down to the head-to-head matchups to 
decide which team is. But do you think right now State's closing the gap on Michigan belief? Oh yeah, I think I think if Michigan and Michigan State played right now, it would be close. I think Michigan State might pull it out. Okay, uh, you talked about the Maryland game. They got they won that one. Um, they got past Nebraska too, seventy to sixty four. That was a closer game. Any either of you catch that one at all? Yeah, uh, I, I saw it. a little bit. What you What did you think of State? Do you think they played at a decent pace, or do you think uh, they kind of struggled a little bit down the stretch there? Well, they had their struggles, but the fact that they got the win is good. Michigan got blown out by Nebraska last year. Nebraska sneaks up on a lot of teams in the Big Ten. Getting a win at Nebraska is good. No matter how much people say they're they're a team that doesn't make the tournament a lot or they're not very strong, they're they're another good Big Big Ten team, which means you could lose to them any night. So pulling out a tough win in that one was good. Will either of you guys say right now that State is better than Michigan? I don't think so. Joe's not yet. You were leaning there, though. I think they're close. Not yet. I think I think it's close, but I think. What does it take? Does it take State to beat them in the head-to-head to matchup for you to say they're better? Probably, but I don't know. It's it's hard to say because both these teams are really similar in a way that you know they have a lot better depth than we thought going into the season, and at any night, like somebody can kind of step up for either one of these teams. So if somebody can get a maybe a consistent bench score, maybe that'll put them over the top. It's still hard for me to compare the teams because honestly for me, there's there's a talent difference between Michigan and Michigan State. You have Iggy Brazdikis, there's a chance he might go to the might try to go to the league after his freshman year. Charles Matthews, probably a pro. Jordan Poole, probably gonna be a pro next year. Michigan State, you just see a bunch of hardworking guys. Guys that fit roles, three-point shooters. Cassius Winston is overall good, really good point guard. Nick Ward, post post player. He's a good like, college player. Yeah. You have a whole bunch of really good college guys that fit roles and fit within a system. So it's I think it's hard comparing the two teams. The problem is I said the same thing about Draymond Green. So Ooh. now it's hard for me to doubt Michigan State players in pros. Granted, Draymond is the is an exception. Right. They've, he's a big exception. They've had exceptions, had some... but I always thought there's no way that Draymond is going to be a good player in the NBA. I thought there's no possible way he takes too many bad shots. He tries to lead maybe too much. He's undersized. I don't know where he's going to fit. And it's worked out. Granted, he's been put in the perfect system for it. But at this point, like I don't doubt Michigan State players anymore necessarily, and that's just from... You know, per, I personal. thought Adrian Payne was going to be a good NBA player. Right. I mean, there, there's definitely <laughs> yeah. been. Kalen Lucas made it to the NBA after what eight years. Of Deontay time. Davis. You know, he's yeah. gone. So there's plenty of them that haven't made it. But I'm just saying, those guys like Jaron Jackson's a stud. Like Nick Ward is a really good player for this team. So that's where I'm, yeah. I I kind of hold off. I I do think he might struggle in the NBA, but you never know. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the pros, guys. Play that and then let's not talk about the Pistons at all. all right, Just that to was, be ironic. That was your Pistons recap for the <laughs> yes. week, guys. Yes. <laughs> no, but yes, sir. <laughs> seriously. Um, Pistons are bad. <laughs> like, they're bad, bad. And what made it they're, worse they're not, is... They're not good, bad, where you could get a no, lottery pick. They're not good, bad in a way of they're entertaining exactly. to watch either. What made it worse is they went 500 this week, this past week. 
So they didn't do anything. They didn't yeah, but help they're, themselves they're for a lottery. The they didn't trend. So they're, they've lost two straight. I know, but they're not helping themselves. They're staying in the middle of the road where, you know, they're close to a playoff seed, but they're way off of the lottery. And well, the highest seed they can get in the lottery is like sixth, seventh. That's pretty good. Right now, they're the ninth, I believe. I'm fine with that. Just don't make the playoffs. I want a chance at a top three pick. Uh, but recapping this past week, they lose to the Kings on the Buddy Buzzer Beater, which is pretty impressive. Kind of controversial ending there. Pistons think he double dribbled. Dwayne Casey thinks he double dribbled. The NBA says he did not double dribble. Guys, did he double dribble? <laughs> big question. We're asking the tough questions this <laughs> We're asking this the big questions. I don't think he did. To me, it looked like when he when he got through the double team, it looked like he was losing control of the ball as quickly as he could, throw it up, and it went in. I don't think he double dribbled. Yeah, to me, it was similar. Where It felt like he didn't have full control, so he was still kind of collecting his dribble. And, I mean, in the end, the Pistons had three guys around him, and they just let him spin by like, and then they had the excuse of oh i thought it was a double dribble yeah. so i stopped playing defense you never stop until <laughs> right. the whistle play yeah the whistle uh, blows so either way it was, it was bad all around and then uh, uh last night they get absolutely trounced by the wizards like they did not wake up to play that game until the fourth quarter it was just an abomination of an effort they played without dre in that game though right they played without dre and against sacramento too right but um that doesn't mean they didn't they had no, no I know. Blaker, First of all, I want, Dre, I want Dre out out the door. The only player that's worked, done anything for the city is Blake. And that's because he has absolute control to just, he's at the peak of his prime and can do what he wants. Blake, Blake is a, he's a top 10 player in the Eastern Conference. It's just so delightful that it's taken Chris so long to finally be on my side. <laughs> he's finally seen What's the lights. What's your side? What's your side? The Pistons need to trade Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond. Remember, I was so high on Reggie too. Remember? Remember the show where I said I'm officially over him? The last time it looked like he cared was that year they made the playoffs. To me, that's well, the last. That's the last time it looked like he. And he's, he's been a cared. laughing stock ever since because everybody has noticed that Jose Calderon plays more than Reggie Jackson at the end of games. <laughs> and that's a yeah. that's so bad because Jose is terrible. Yeah, Jose doesn't play hero ball. Here's the thing that the Pistons need to do, and I think I said this last week too. We actually saw a little bit of this lineup in the Washington game. He put uh, Dwayne Casey put Bruce Brown at point guard. Kyrie Thomas at the two, Luke at the three, Reggie Bullock at the four. I won't do Reggie Bullock at the four. Uh, and then Blake at the five. Let the kids play. Put Stanley at the four and let's do it. Start Let the em. kids play. I mean, yeah, I'm cool with changing up the lineups. I've, like I've said in the past, I'd be cool with like Bruce Luke should be being starting point, point guard, guard, but Bruce has played pretty well with the ball in his hands. So. And the Pistons have so many issues guarding the paint. They gave up 22 points in the paint in the first quarter against Washington yesterday. They scored 22. One points in the first quarter, like put Bruce Brown at point guard, put Reggie to the bench. Who cares that he's making that much money? It doesn't matter. Yeah, Bruce Brown is your best. Bruce and Kyrie are a really good defensive backcourt. Yeah, you're not going to score many points, but that why, that's why you got Blake. They're going to play hard. They, they the it'll kid, be it'll be entertaining the, watching them play. I would yeah, I would actually tune in to watch them because I'd like to see how the young guys play. Yeah. I don't have any drive to watch. Reggie Jackson pound the ball to Bruce Brown, who's playing out of position at the shooting guard, to Reggie Bullock, who's playing out of position at small forward, to Andre Drummond, who will play 20% of possessions with any care whatsoever. This team is – how does Gorse think 
that Detroit relates to this franchise right now? That's, that's the point. That's the he doesn't think. <laughs> that's the question. He just doesn't he, think. You know. You know what's even worse to me. We we are we have lived through a point in the past ten years where Brooklyn has gone from the most embarrassing franchise that made a horrible decision to Brooklyn being one of the most promising young teams in the NBA. They made one of the worst trades in all of sports history, and they got a Pistons player to do it. And the Pistons have just been stuck in mediocrity the entire time. I will say this: Brooklyn's done a phenomenal job. Sean Marks. Listen, GM of the year. I feel like Kenny Atkinson should be in consideration for coach of the year. I feel like they did not know this was going to happen. Well, and there's always luck. I feel, I feel like they completely expected it to also, take, but it's working somehow. Also, D'Angelo Russell, all-star. Their best player, Karis LeVert, is injured. Jared Allen could be up for defensive player of the year next year. Yeah, he's got to work on his off-ball D, but yeah, he's the way he blocks shots, the way he defends the rim He's active. Something. He's energetic. Yeah. That kind of leads to my next thing, too, is... The Pistons are they're a bottom five team in the NBA. I mean, what teams are worse than the Pistons right now? Chicago, Suns. Cleveland, Phoenix, New York. Not Atlanta. Yeah. New York. The Pistons are the New team York. that they're the fifth worst team in the NBA. Their finishing record will not reflect what they really are. Yeah. The Pistons might finish with 36, 37 yeah. wins. I agree with you completely. That that won't reflect yeah. what that team really is. And everybody, Tom Gores will be like, Dwayne Casey's first year, solid average season. Okay. All right. You guys, it's a new coach in a new system. He's got to figure <laughs> it out. We've, we've heard all this stuff before. And Just, whatever. you know, on, I'm done. One of ONTV's longest lasting shows between Terraminas, Ian Weatherspoon told me, Tom Gore should just sell the team. I agree with him. He won't do it. He, yeah. But I, it would be so wonderful he should, but if it, he could just sell the team. But he won't. Um, is there any chance they become sellers by the trade deadline? Is there? I want some hope. Give me some hope, Joe. Give me some hope, Malik. Is there a chance? I'm telling they you, sell? I want to trade Andre Drummond for a first round pick. If the Pistons can get two first round picks, that would be so amazing. I, that, would, that would be the start. I still feel like they're gonna try to trade for another star. I know me because too. because Blake I'm so sad about it too. Because Dwayne Casey is here and Blake is here, they have no choice but to try to win. Oh, they have a choice. The problem they're just is choosing the wrong one. The problem is if they try to get another star. It's going to be a mediocre star. It is not or somebody past be, their prime. <laughs> it is not going to be a prototypical star. Yeah. It's going to be like you have Andre Blake and some other guy similar to a hmm, like an Andrew Wiggins type player. Pistons work out a deal to get Yusuf Nurkic, and then you're going to be a, <laughs> hey, if Andre's going to Portland. I don't care. <laughs> and then you're going to be a one of those teams in 2K that you see where you have all these 50 overalls that are just filling up the rest of the slots. They're going to be so depth deprived that I mean they already are now to be honest. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like if you try to make another trade, they're in big trouble. I want picks. Give me picks. Let's just yeah, just please let me have fun during NBA draft night. Andre's just... Andre's value is only going to decline yeah. from here on out. Actually, it will it will increase during his last year of his deal because expiring contracts are always valuable. But True. That's just the business of the NBA. I have an idea. I think the three of us should go to a Pistons game and film film our reactions, our thoughts, everything, and put it on the channel. <laughs> we should. Let's, let's, let's go to a game. All right. Let's put ourselves through that torture. Um, <laughs> who is the most likely Piston to be dealt at the deadline? If you guys had to pick one Piston. It, the no-brainer is Reggie. Which Reggie? 
Jackson. He's the Honestly, most likely to would, be traded. I would, See, I disagree. I wouldn't be. No I wouldn't be. So, I would be surprised if you think there aren't teams that would take him as a backup point guard. Not with that contract. True. Very true. Reggie Bullock could be up because he he does have some value as a guy coming off the bench in threes. John Lure is barely up. He has no trade value whatsoever. John Lure is a ghost. <laughs> that dude is going to be the next Josh Smith. Only we don't listen. Yeah, John go overseas. You'll probably be happy. He'll just be nowhere close to the talent level of Josh Smith. You know, he only make Ish could. over the course of his contract. He only made twelve million less than Josh Smith. That's incredible. Ish could, but I don't. I want rather Smith. have Josh. I don't want Smith. Ish to go. Oh, me too. You want Ish to go? I said I don't want Ish to go, uh, but I feel like he has trade think, value. He, okay, who's there? There are so teams Ish that would Smith take Ish Smith. Is Smith. your most likely piston to be dealt? Phoenix would take Ish Smith right oh, now. Yeah. So are you saying Ish Smith? Yeah, Joey. I still think it's Reggie Jackson. I I would take most Reggie likely. Ja- yeah, because not saying there, that we in the want back him. of my head. There's Dealing. also there are teams that would love to take. I'm I'm with if Malik. Reggie went to a new team and had a and had a backup role. He would play out of his mind. Have you guys seen Reggie Jackson trying to guard Cameron Payne? That's not the point. That's not I the would, point. I would trade Reggie for a bag of chips. <laughs> it doesn't matter. A team wouldn't even offer you a bag of chips for him right now. I think somebody would. Somebody that, that's looking for a playoff push or something, exactly. I think, would take a you backup put, point guard. You put Reggie on a playoff team going into the playoffs as a backup point guard, he will shine. You guys want my honest opinion? I think you guys are delusional. I don't think there's a team out there. That would trade for Reggie Jackson without getting Listen, without you, wait, hold on, without getting the Pistons' first round pick, a future first round pick, or one of their young core. You have to realize it, NBA executives don't think like fans. Even it, things that seem obvious to us, NBA executives think that's dumb. Hey man, I thought I hope I'm wrong. Don't get me They're, wrong, but I think you general manager. I'm thinking from the general manager executive standpoint right now. You've seen what what Reggie Jackson can do as a backup on a good team. Yeah, he that cares. was before he. That was before his knee issues. Now he can't move and can't stay in front of Cameron Payne. I will keep Listen. bringing his name up because he's not even in the NBA. That dude plays overseas now. I also don't think that Reggie Jackson is going to be dealt like one for one. He's exactly. obviously going to have <laughs> part of a yeah. He's obviously going to have to be packaged, and I think that's why they're going to do it is because they're going to want him out, and they got to. I mean, they're going to have to bite the bullet and package somebody else with right. him. I'm telling you, to he, get a deal done. He would but, raise his play if they put him on a playoff team. Out of nowhere, people would be like, "What? What? Where has Reggie Jackson gone? And who was this man?" Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I just don't. That's just my it. hopeful thinking, though. Too. Yeah, I think you guys are being very hopeful. But I'll say the most likely is Reggie Bullock because it's in today's NBA, three point shooting is the most valuable. He's a solid. He's an okay defender on the perimeter. There's, I think, there's a very slim possibility a team offers the Pistons like a, a protected first round pick, and they could, they should a hundred percent jump on that as quick as possible um oh yeah for sure let's go into nba midseason awards we are at the midpoint right now we have about seven ish minutes left in the show so we're going to do kind of like some quick fire here uh i'm going to give you my coach of the year first i'm going to go to malik then we're going to go to joey and then we'll kind of keep making the rounds Alrighty, coach of the year my coach of the year so far is mike malone of the denver nuggets my runner-up is kenny atkinson Tied with Mike Budenholzer. Malik. My one, two. It's it's hard for me to separate him. I was I was going with either Mike Malone or Mike Budenholzer. Remember when you doubted Mike Budenholzer preseason? And the Bucks. Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. I still think when they make the playoffs, they won't do much, but he's doing a hell of a job right now. He's the reason why that team is playing so well. Gotcha. Joe. But I'm I'm oh, gonna sorry. I'm gonna go with Mike Malone one because Mike Malone. Okay. people expected Denver to be 
maybe a they they expected Denver to take the playoff step this year, but nobody expected them to be no. playing at this high of a level. Yeah. So I got to go Mike Malone. Yeah, I would say Mike Malone as well. My runner up would probably be Nick Nurse actually for the way that he's turned that team around. Like, nobody really knew what they were getting. Obviously, you know Kawhi Leonard's one of the best players in the league, but you didn't know how the chemistry was all going to work out. And Pascal Siakam has elevated this play tremendously. Serge Ibaka has looked back to a, a former version of himself. Uh, another, like, not really a runner-up, but just an outlier that I want to say I think has done a good job is Rick Carlisle, that Dallas has kind of been in and out of the playoff spot for a team that, I don't think is really all that talented overall. Uh, rookie of the year, we really don't even need to discuss yeah, this. Sweep. <laughs> Luka Doncic, yeah. or good Luka. If the Luka, if the Suns were better, DeAndre Ayton would be Aiden, in the conversation. Aiden would be in the conversation, but the problem is also that Doncic gets all the buzz. So yeah. So Luka. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, six man of the Trey year. Young. <laughs> six man of the year. I'm happy to say this one. Spencer Dinwiddie, Mustache, wow. Brooklyn. Malik, Dinwiddie, yeah. I'm happy to say his, this. His play in the clutch has been ridiculously surprising. He shows up. Speaking of playing in the clutch, mine is Derrick Rose, and with I'm a with, with a runner up of Julius. But Randall. hasn't Derrick been starting recently? I mean, that's what Lou Williams did last year, and that's what I argued last year about Lou Williams that he didn't deserve it. But you guys chose otherwise. So this Derek year might be an all star. So and this that, year, that, Derek that Rose so much joy to me. All right, this one's actually a but real. But yes, he started quite a bit. Okay. Uh, this one's a really tough one for me. Defensive player of the year. I went back and forth. I almost gave it to Paul George because of how good OKC's defense has been. Perimeter players don't usually win it. I ended up going back to Utah. Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. I think he's just the best defensive player in the NBA. Yikes. Hot Malik. take alert. Malik. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna be 100 percent honest. I don't know whose tops and blocks are steals. Well, I, just go with your heart. I Malik. just I just know who some of the top defenders are. I know Kawhi is still great. I know Anthony Davis is still great. I was on the big Kawhi MVP train early in the season, so I'm just gonna go Kawhi Leonard. I'm nope. going Paul George. I was gonna do Anthony Davis, but he's been hurt hurt lately. Uh, I'm going with Paul George. I think he's playing really good on both sides of the ball. I'm excited to hear your guys' opinion on this next one, too. Most improved player. This one's easy for me, actually. Pascal Siakam. That's what I'm doing, too. I got hey, Pascal Siakam. His, I think it's He's easy. been playing out of his mind. And for a guy that barely got any time uh, did, in his previous runs. Did you see, too, at the end of... I can't remember who they were playing. Toronto was playing. I think it was Dallas. They put Pascal Siakam in an ISO to end the game, and he had a lefty floater off glass at the buzzer. Who would have thought Pascal Siakam... Would be getting the Kawhi Leonard ISO at the end of a game, right. you know? Who you got, Malik? It's between D'Angelo Russell and Kyle Kuzma for me. Hmm. I can't, I can't choose. Which I can one. see D'Angelo Kuz too, but, but the level know. that Kuzma is playing right now with LeBron out—that's true. It's insane. I also, I thought D'Angelo had pretty much shown us everything he had, and he's showing he's why he was up as a, top a leader three too. Game. See, that's why I don't give him the nod necessarily because we've we've seen like signs of it but he's definitely he's stringing them together a lot more frequently lately i think all right my mvp james harden just barely over Giannis. He, this is just this at, is just for midseason midseason right? right now so as of right now it's james harden he has 
just been on an absolute tear. Historic tear. And a, yes, a historic tear over the last month and a half, almost two months now. Malik, what you got? By the end of the season, I'm pretty sure I'm going to choose James because I don't think he's going to stop this. Mid-season awards, I'm going Giannis. Okay. 27, 12, and 5. He's been consistent from the beginning. James just started this tear last month. So I can't I can't give him the mid-season Fair awards. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because, yeah, Giannis has just been consistently dominant, and I'll have to give it to him. I don't know. I was close to giving it to James. Obviously, he's carried that team. I still feel like teams are going to figure him out. The Sixers kind of did last night. and Everybody th- has an off night. Right, but I think he's going to wear down a little bit pretty soon here. I like a guy that plays both sides of the ball, so I'm going to go again with Paul George. As MVP? Yes. Joe! He plays both sides of the ball. Come on. Super well. He's having super good numbers this season. Joe, he's not MVP. He I think he's I think he's MVP. First of all, when it comes to predicting or saying who your awards are, first of all, the NBA is not going to give the defensive player of the year and the MVP the I know. ball. But I'm just saying who I would pick. Glad you're not making the choice. His Sorry. value to the Thunder has been ridiculous this year. Yeah, and he gets overlooked been. because he's with the Thunder. And he's side-by-side side with Russell Westbrook. I still think it's because he doesn't have to be the guy. Yeah, He's but shining. That, but he is the guy by not being the guy. Well, wise that's our, words. Wise words. From Joey. From not so wise Joey's words. Joey's hot take of the week. We uh, didn't even have to ask him, one, ask him for one. That's the show this week. Views from the sideline. It's January 22nd. We'll see you guys next week. Super Bowl preview. See y'all next time. Bye. Be the guy by not being the guy. Joey Tissick.